Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Well, good morning. Are you glad you came to church? Yeah, sweet. Uh, can you give it up for our worship team? They're amazing, right? Yeah. Super fun to have Steve-O. Steve-O, uh, he's wild. I wish every now and then he let his hair down. Um, it is something to see if you haven't seen it. Uh, no, I'm, I'm the campus pastor of the Midland Church. Uh, my name's Cody, and just an honor and joy to be with you. It's so cool to see people that I hadn't seen in a while. And um, Man, I'm, I'm not gonna waste too much time. I'm gonna jump right into what I feel like the Lord has to share today. Um, I just finished a two-part series in Midland um, called Becoming Aware, and so basically what you're gonna get today is the second part of that series. Uh, today, uh, I hope to just engage us in a way with the Lord um, that maybe we normally just would describe it as something else. And so uh, we're going to dive in this morning. Uh, I'm going to give you a quick recap of, of some things that I shared. Uh, there were three truths that I shared uh, about the Holy Spirit. And when I say becoming aware, I'm talking about becoming aware, more aware of the Holy Spirit's presence with us when we gather. Uh, because the Bible is very, very clear that he joins us in these moments. And so I shared three truths just to catch you up. And, and I, would, I would invite you to go and listen to the message that I preached um, in Midland to get the fullness of this. But uh, I, I taught three truths about the Holy Spirit, and the first truth was this. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Uh, I know that that seems very elementary. Uh, I believe that that sounds like something that we've already known, but we have to get to this place where if we're gonna become aware of something that has high value, we need to understand the importance of who he actually is. And the Holy Spirit isn't an it. He is a person. He is a part of the Godhead. He is as, as uh, much... Um, he is as important as God the Father, he is as important as God the Son, and he should actually be given honor and reverence as those two get, as the, the, the God, uh, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, the first truth was the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. And we read John chapter 15, verse 26, and it says this. It says, "Been when the Helper comes, uh, this was Jesus speaking, when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. And when Jesus spoke this, this word that he used, uh, proceeds, in the Greek, it's this word that means to come forth out of. And Jesus literally said, I'm going to send you the Spirit who came forth. He literally was originated out of God himself. And so when I think about the Holy Spirit, or when I think about the Godhead of God the Son, God the Father, God the Spirit, uh, I think the church has, wild, has widely just put a lot of weight and honor on the Father and a lot of weight on the Son, but we've excluded the Holy Spirit, maybe for a lack of understanding, or maybe because uh, the pictures that have been painted of the Holy Spirit and what happens when the Holy Spirit comes upon us uh, seem to be too far out of this world for us, and it becomes uncomfortable. And I believe that this I believe this is true. In order for us to become aware of his importance in our life, we have to actually focus on the fact that he deserves honor and reverence just as God the Father and God the Son does. The second thing that I shared in this message was uh, the Holy Spirit was sent to us by Jesus to guide us into the truth, 
to guide us right into the truth. Uh, John, Jesus said in John chapter 16 that it was for our benefit that he went away, that he left the earth, that he actually uh, uh, allowed the will of God to, to actually ca- be carried out in his life, that he uh, be crucified, that he be buried in the tomb, that he be raised from the dead, but then him to, to ascend into heaven and leave the earth. It was for our benefit that all of those things happened because he said that when that does happen, he's going to send us a comforter, a helper who is the Holy Spirit, right? And so I know that I'm sharing some things that you probably all know, but I, I just want us to make sure that we don't uh, think more highly of our knowledge than we ought to, <laughs> uh, that we actually don't forget some of the basic things that, that, that have built our faith. Um, but the Holy Spirit would come, and he would remind us of the things that Jesus has said, and then he would teach us all things. And so these, there are these moments in our relationship with the Holy Spirit where all of a sudden we're thinking about something that, that, that all the... It's like all of a sudden we're reminded of something that we've heard before. And like this sounds really familiar and come to find out it was actually in Scripture. That is the Holy Spirit doing the work that he was sent to do to remind us of things that Jesus has said. And then there are these moments when we get these divine unctions and they come from the Holy Spirit. They're knowings uh, that come from the Holy Spirit. And this is all part of God's plan when he sent us the helper, the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth and he can be trusted in your life. And then the last thing that I shared was this. And I know I'm giving you a quick crash course of of these three points, but uh, the third truth was this. The Holy Spirit gives power. The Holy Spirit is designed to give power. And in this message, I went through uh, the truth of the fact that even from Mary, the Virgin Mary, who actually was the one who gave birth to, to Jesus. She actually did all of those things and everything that was in her life was carried out by the power of the Holy Spirit. She was promised this, that, that, the Holy, that, that the presence of God would come upon her and the power of the Most High would overshadow her. And it was through that power of the Holy Spirit that she was actually able to even give birth to Jesus as a virgin. That's not normal. And that's not natural. It's supernatural. And then we moved into talking about how the same power that you and I have been afforded to have relationship with in the form of the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. It was the same power that actually pulled him out of the grave and resurrected him. We have relationship and the opportunity to have relationship with the Holy Spirit who offered that power on that day every single day in our whole lives. And we talked about what happened in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit came. And he, and he flooded the people in the upper room. And then there was this moment when uh, Peter, we're going to read about this a little bit, but when Peter comes out of that room and he preaches a message uh, to the people that had heard what happened, and 3,000 people were added to the church in this one moment, and it was because of the Holy Spirit's power now upon Peter that he was actually able to, in this moment, stand up for Jesus. If you remember, Peter was the same guy that didn't even have the power in and of himself to even... Uh, uh, confessed that he knew Jesus. But with the power of God on his life, he preaches so profoundly and so much power wrapped up in the words that he said that 3,000 people say, I need what you have. This is the same Peter who uh, they would take people and they would line people that were sick and and that were demon-possessed. They would line them up in the roads. I want you to picture this. I want you to imagine just driving down your favorite street in Lubbock, 19th Street, whatever that is, and just imagine that there were, there were hundreds of people that were just literally, literally they're just all along the roads and they were sick and they were feeble and they were demon-possessed. And then your assignment was to walk down the middle of that road and any person that your shadow touched, 
not you. Your shadow touched. That person got freed of the demon or they got completely healed. That would blow our, it actually even offends us right now. It offends our theology even right now. Like how could that even be possible? This is Peter and because of the Holy Spirit's power on his life, even his shadow, when it touched sick people, they got completely healed. This is the power that you and I have access to every single day of our lives. And then we talked about how Paul, even Paul's garments, his clothing, his handkerchiefs, and his aprons, they had been in the presence of God, the power of God literally resting on Paul. And his garments were sent to people who were also sick, and his garments were sent to people who were demon-possessed. And if they would just touch his handkerchief, they would be completely made well. All because of the power of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I absolutely love this. Ordinary people who chose to have an awareness of the Holy Spirit's power on the life and everything shifted. Uh, so that's a very, very quick crash course and recap of what I preached in the first message. And you're welcome to go back and listen to that, like I said. But today, what I want to do is I want to speak and I want to talk about uh, the, div the divine moments when the Holy Spirit comes upon us in physical ways just to remind us that he's close. Physical manifestations that are telltale signs that the Holy Spirit is actually really, really close. And I'm teaching this and I'm sharing this because I, I simply don't want us, I don't want you, I don't want us to miss something that he's trying to do in us individually. I don't want us to miss something that he's trying to do in us corporately uh, as a church. And so uh, we're gonna dive into some physical manifestations of what happens when God comes close to us. And so I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna dive into this for, for a few moments. Father, I thank you for everything that you've done in this service. You're so faithful. You're so, so faithful and so kind. And I pray in the next few moments that, uh, that we have together that you would just speak to us in the way in which you do. I pray that you would broaden our understanding, that you would give us a deeper revelation. Father, that you would teach us what it's like to tap into our childlikeness in the next few moments. Uh, Holy Spirit, I welcome you into this. I invite you into this place even more so that you would just come and you would have your way. Uh, that you would uh, anoint my words and you would open our ears to hear you. I pray that we have eyes to see and ears to hear what the Spirit is doing and saying in the room. And I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's dive into some physical manifestations that you might feel in the presence of God. Uh, would you turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 20? Uh, before I dive into actual physical manifestations, I just want to remind us of this promise. It says this, For where two or three are gathered in my name, meeting together as my followers, I am there among them. This is the Bible. And so this is a promise from the Lord. Uh, I believe that uh, we have to make sure that we're paying very, very close attention when we're looking for signs that God is close. The first place that we should look is the most accurate place. It is the most accurate sign. It is right all of the time, and it is the Scripture, right? And we have to get into this place where we actually believe the Scripture when we read it. I think because we're afforded the ability to have so much access to the Word, we hear Scriptures, we read Scriptures, and they just become things that are said. But the Lord actually wants us to put weight on his word and actually trust and believe his word is true for our lives. So that when we hear something like this, when we read something like this, we should actually step into places like a church or places like home church or places like a prayer gathering. And we should actually say things like, I know that the spirit of God is fixing to meet us because he said, where two or more are gathered in my name, so am I there too. Like when you walk into rooms like this, you literally walk in saying, I'm a son or a daughter of the most high God and where I go, he goes. 
and you start declaring these things, much like a football team would when they're fixing to go out of the locker room to play a game. They literally have their, their sayings, their last-minute words of encouragement as they're going out to, to do battle on the football field. This is our opportunity to literally walk in full of faith saying, I am, I am here, and they are here, and we're together in the name of Jesus, and God is fixing to meet us in this room. We have to come into these places of confessing and releasing the word of God over our lives. If you've been in church for any amount of time, uh, I can guarantee you that you felt the presence of God. You're like, well, I, I don't know if I have. I bet you have, you just didn't know it. Or maybe you're like, like me. Maybe all of a sudden you get chills on your body, or maybe all of a sudden you, you have goosebumps, or uh, all of a sudden your, your palms are sweaty and your knees are weak. I'm not finishing it. I'm not finishing it. I'm not going to do it. Uh, but you feel something changing. You, you, you get tears in your eyes. Something shifts. And, and most of the time what ends up happening is we, we start taking all of these things that start happening and, and, and these, a normal person begins to wrap all of these things up in a coincidence. Oh, I got a chill, but the, whole, the air conditioner actually just came on. That's really what it was. Or, man, I'm really warm. What is this, Lord? Oh, there's a lot of people releasing hot air in worship. That's, what, that's actually what's happening. Uh, I remember praying for my dad once. My, my kids and I praying for my dad. He had an Achilles uh, issue with one of his uh, Achilles tendons. And my dad's not a believer. And, and uh, he had been complaining about this issue all week long. And so we, we, we got down on our knees and prayed. And I asked him if we could pray. He said reluctantly, yes. So we prayed and... And I just ask God to touch him and heal him. And so when we get to friends praying, I'm like, Dad, what are you feeling? He's like, well, actually, it feels a little bit better. And I'm like, that's awesome. That's the presence of God. He's touching your body. He's like, well, actually, I did take my pain meds right before you prayed, so that's probably what it is. And, and so the normal person starts explaining away the things of God. And we have to be really, really careful that we're not explaining our way out of his presence. That in our mature minds that know all of these things about scripture, that have all of this experience in church, that our, our, religio our religiousness, let's say, doesn't talk us out of a touch from the Lord because he's actually wanting to move on our lives. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, you can flip there with me. This is literally what it says about the natural man. He says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You ever been touched by God in a church service or something, and then you go to work the next day, and you're kind of still high, maybe, and you try to explain that touch or that encounter with a, a coworker, and they just kind of look at you like you're a crazy person, you need to be locked up in a padded room? It's because the natural man doesn't receive or understand the things that the Spirit of God is doing, but they actually get an opportunity, and they can. I, I feel like the Lord is, is saying this. Uh, as I was writing this, I just was remembering some of you in my own story, and there were four words that, that rang true in my ears. They kind of rang louder than any of the other words that, that I'd heard from this one particular person. This, this guy had come to my house and presented a DVD uh, of a guy named Benny Hinn, and Benny Hinn has his own rep reputation. He uh, throws fireballs on, on, on Instagram and different things and memes. He waves his jacket and people fall down. Uh, all of the things that, that we like to make fun of. But he brought this DVD to me and was like, you have to see this. This is incredible. So this guy had gone to a, a Benny Hinn crusade. 
been touched by the Lord. What happened, I'm explaining, just as I did a while ago. He was touched by God. Something came upon him, and he needed to give it away. I was that coworker that didn't have any idea what he was talking about. He shows me this DVD, and I'm like, that's foolishness. They're all acting, and you're as crazy as they are if you think I'm going to believe it. And he said these four words, and I believe that this is the invitation from God today. He said, just come with me. And I believe the Lord is asking us today, just come with me. He said, just come with me to one of these services. And if you don't feel the presence of God on your own life, if you don't have your own experience with God, I'll never bother you with Christianity again. And thank God that he gave me this invitation because I ultimately accepted Jesus and and here I stand. But I believe that Jesus is just asking us to just come with him in these moments. And so I wanna look through some scripture because all throughout scripture there are instances where people experience physical manifestations on their life in the presence of God. And so let's look at Daniel chapter 10. We're gonna read verses seven through 11. Seven through 11. It says, and I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For, there, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled and hid themselves. Therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision. And no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words. And while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. This is Daniel having an encounter with the presence of God in this moment in a vision. And I want to point out a couple of things uh, that happened to Daniel in this moment. The first thing was this. He said his strength left him. He said there was no strength remaining in me. Uh, He had become physically weak in this moment. This is the meaning of becoming completely overwhelmed by the presence of God. That's exactly what happened in this moment to Daniel. He, he, He became overwhelmed to the point where he was literally on his face on the ground. There's moments in the presence of God where you will feel a weight come upon you. There's moments where you feel all of a sudden like your hands are heavy or like your knees are heavy and you just have to, you have to sit down, you have to, to respond. This is God literally, literally resting upon you. It's his glory, it's his power resting upon you. And in this moment, Daniel literally just responded by going all the way to the ground and, and prostrating himself in this place of honor, bowing low to the ground. Uh, There's a lot of different ways that you might respond or you might feel when the power of God overwhelms you. For me, I just cry. I'm just a crier. There'll be a puddle of tears everywhere I go. If I hear a testimony that, that touches me, if, I, if I'm in the middle of worship, or if, if it's in prayer, when I feel the presence of the Lord come upon me, it overwhelms me in a way that I just can't help but hold back my affections for him. And this is him overcoming me in the form of weeping. I love these outlines and these things that, that, that God lets us see in Scripture. The second thing that Daniel experienced was, it says that suddenly in verse 10, suddenly he was touched. In the presence of the Lord, you might sometimes feel like you were touched. There's been moments where I, I could have sworn that somebody put their hand on my back. There's these moments where you think that you've been touched and all of a sudden you just turn around and you look at the person behind you because you think that they touched you. And now you're looking weird at them and they're looking strangely back at you. Now it's just a bunch of weirdness. 
but it's actually the Lord, and he's saying, I just want to get your attention to let you know that I'm here because I want to impart something to you. I want to give something to you. God always shows up to give something to you. He's not interested in taking something from you. He's not here to rob you of your joy. He's not here to rob you of something. He's always trying to impart something to you. I love the fact that he was touched. Uh, oftentimes when it comes to like words of knowledge in terms of like for healing, um, a word of knowledge is literally just having a knowing about something that's going on in someone's life. And the Lord does that a lot with me in the form of healing. And I've learned that they're just really, really gentle, gentle touches and if you'll practice just listening and, and sensing those gentle touches, you'll actually, and you do this in your private place. Everything that you do publicly has to be done privately. Or it becomes pride because it looks like you're doing something that we know you can't do. So you practice privately and you practice listening to the Lord in private for the little touches that he actually wants to express and give you the touches in a public setting so that it's for the neighbor that's sitting next to you or the person that's behind you. This is all unto building up the global church, right? This is all for each other. The last thing that he did in this was, before I go, before I go there, talking about the touch, uh, when I shared this last week, we had an incredible thing happen. There's a, there's a young girl, she's 24, actually moved here from Canada. She got saved in our church this summer. God is really moving in her life, got recently engaged, super awesome. Uh, her mom is a, is, a, is a survivor of breast cancer, and this young girl uh, has had multiple lumps removed from her own body, and uh, the Monday of the week that I preached this in Midland, she found another lump in one of her breasts. So she came to church and was just really distraught about this. And, and at the end of this message, uh, end of that message and end of this message, I'm just going to give us an invitation to actually allow the Lord to touch us. And so she just positioned herself in a way to said, Lord, I, I'm asking you for a touch. And she said that she felt and saw like a golden hand come and, and, and touch her in the area that she had the lump. This week she went to the doctor and it's completely cancer free. Like, so I just believe that the Lord, yeah, it's super awesome. The Lord actually wants to touch you. And we get to see it in scripture. And then it says this, he trembled. Daniel trembled at the touch. And I've been experiencing like a trembling and a shaking in my right hand in the presence of the Lord often. And, and I, it, once again, it's simply so that I would actually give weight to him so that he might reveal the thing that he's trying to do in the room. Or that he might reveal to, to me the thing that he's trying to do within me. If you've experienced this or maybe seen someone start to shake in church, uh, make sure that you don't judge God based on what's happening in the room. Make sure that you don't draw a hard line decision on the Holy Spirit because that doesn't look like what you think should happen in church. Like these are just physical manifestations is all we're talking about. And I'm, I'm simply sharing these things and you can go and you can size these up in scripture yourself. I'm simply bringing this all to our attention because I don't want us to miss the Lord. That's really, really it. Let's look at another one. Uh, Joshua chapter five. I love this one. Verses 13 through 15. It says, and it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and he looked. And behold, a man stood opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to the man, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? And he said, no. What an answer. Like it was either or, no, doesn't really do anything for me. But he said, no. But as the commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now, or I have now come. 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, what does my Lord say to my servant? So a lot of people think that this commander of the Lord's army was either an angel or it was actually Jesus. He says, what does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, take your sandal off your foot for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Before I even talk about anything, these things it is crazy to me that this, this joker had one sandal on. Like, what is happening in this moment where you just have one sandal on? Like, where does the other sandal go? Did anybody read scripture and just be like, how is that a thing? Like, you just have one sandal on? Anyways, for whatever reason, he was like, hey, literally, you're, you're, you're halfway there. Can you take your other sandal off? This is holy ground. You're almost there. The Lord's fixing to touch you. If you'll just take that one sandal off, the Lord's going to move. Uh, but notice that Joshua, he literally fell. He, he didn't kneel down. He didn't get down gently or slowly. It says that he fell on his face and he worshiped in this moment. And we've all probably seen, and this is where things get a really a bit challenging for us in the church, when someone falls down in the presence of the Lord. Why? What is happening? Why does that make us uncomfortable? It, are they faking? What is happening? And we see this in scripture, there was such an honor and a reverence in this moment for the man of God that was so close that his response was that he fell to the ground. And we're going to give some more explanation to this. Uh, I, I was reading some things and just researching this, and I'm just going to read what I, what I saw as I saw it. But it says Revelations, uh, in Revelations 1.17, this is even more explanation to this word fall. It says, when I, John, saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as dead. The word fell in this moment is this Greek word, pepito, which means to fall from an upright position. It is used occasionally to describe those who fall in battle, which, of course, could mean a falling forward or a falling backwards, or I love this word, a crumpling to the ground. In John's case, he fell at the feet of Jesus. It also goes on to say in Revelation 1.17 that John fell as one who was dead. This word dead in the Greek is this word nekros, which is the word for a corpse. In other words, in one split second, it seemed that all life had gone out of him and he crumpled forward at the feet of Jesus, as it was in many cases of people who experienced God's glory his legs buckled under him, and his strength was drained from his body, and he fell in the presence of God. This is another form of just being completely overwhelmed by the power of God. We had an, a, worship, a worship and encounter night several weeks ago on a Tuesday night in Midland, and uh, if we ever have any more of those, which we will, I would encourage you, um, call in late for work or something and come on a Tuesday night. Uh, do it honorably, whatever you have to do. Uh, but come and join us. Um, they've been incredibly fun. But there was multiple people in, in the room that, that literally experienced this. They were responding to the Lord. They were responding to the power of God in the room. And their response was literally just to go to the ground. And there was a girl who stayed on the ground for probably 30 minutes. And the Lord just loved on her. And the Lord was just infusing things into her. And it was a really, really powerful moment. But this is exactly uh, what he's talking about in Scripture. It is part of this, no strength remained in me. I became weak and I was overcome and I fell to the ground. Remember, I'm just sharing this so that we don't miss him when he shows up in the room. One of the other things that we might fall into into this place is uh, we might just get a sense that we're hearing a voice. 
It's an inner thing that's happening. It's not an outward thing. I remember Presley, she's my oldest. She's 13, but when she was about five or six, uh, she had had an encounter with a boy on the playground. And you know, when you're six, like things that happen on the playground, like that's for real. Like that's real life stuff. Like it is, it is do or die if it happens on the playground when you're six. So she came home and she was upset about this boy that pushed her down a slide and she was all kinds of fired up and she's a real softy. So she was fired up in a really nice way. And so that, that evening we're at dinner, uh, had some people over for dinner at our house and she comes to the table and she's like, dad, I got to tell you something. She's whispering really quietly. She goes, uh, I was in the bathroom. You was in the bathroom. I'm like, no details, please. And uh, she's like, I was praying for that little boy that pushed me down the slide. And I'm like, well, first of all, congratulations, because I would have been not fat. And um, she's like, I was asking Jesus just to, just to love on him, just to take care of him and make him nicer. And she said, Dad, I, all of a sudden I heard a voice. And it told me, I love that little boy, and I'm going to help him just because you prayed for him. She said, so I got up. And I pulled the shower curtain back, and there was no one in the bathtub. And then I opened the cabinet doors, and there was no one in the cabinet doors. And then I pulled out my drawer with my toothbrushes, and there was no one in there either. I'm like, I love this. And she's like, Dad, I think I heard Jesus. And I'm like, baby, that's exactly what you heard. Like, you can't tell a six-year-old that they heard Jesus. Of course you can well, that doesn't make sense. I know it doesn't. But Jesus didn't come to make sense. He came to make faith, right? And so I literally was like, of course, as your dad, I'm going to encourage you in the fact that you're actually listening to the one whom you pray to who told you that he would speak to you when you actually come to him in his name. I can't afford to explain her out of an encounter with the Lord because it doesn't make sense to my natural understanding. Amen? We gotta get to this place where we don't move past the Lord when he's speaking to us. Did she hear him audibly? Not at all. But she heard him on the inside. I'm gonna close with this. Uh, we, we see in the book of Acts, in the early church, the Holy Spirit comes as promised by Jesus and he fills the upper room where the people are gathered and we know these stories. He comes in uh, these, this mighty wind and this rushing mighty wind and this fire and all of these things are happening and I want you to understand these people are gathered like he told us together in Matthew chapter 18 where two or three are gathered in my name, so am I there. And this is the moment that he literally came and made this an absolute truth forever. He literally made made good on his promise. He comes and he fills the room. And so this is a dialogue between Peter and some bystanders. And I love this. This is Acts chapter two, verses 13 through 21. He says, but others were laughing and joking and ridiculing them saying they are full of sweet wine and they are drunk. I love Peter's boldness in this moment. He says, uh, but Peter standing with the 11 raised his voice and addressed them. He said, men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be explained to you. Listen closely and pay attention to what I have to say. These people are not drunk as you assume since it's only the third hour of the day, which would be 9 a.m. But this is the beginning of what was spoken through the prophet of Joel. And it shall be in the last days, said God, that I will pour out my spirit on all mankind and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see divinely prompted visions and your old men shall dream divinely prompted dreams. Even on my bond, my bond servants, both men and women, I will in those days pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. 
and I'll bring about wonders in the sky above and signs attesting miracles on the earth below, blood and fire and smoke and vapor. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord comes. And it shall be that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, invoking, adorning, adoring, and worshiping the Lord Jesus shall be saved that is rescued spiritually. What that... What the people happen to see as a result of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in this moment appeared that the people who came out of this presence, that they were drunk. And instantly, they were judged based on a worldly response to a spirit. I want you to understand something. I, I believe that the church is, is, is well, let me, how do I say this nicely? When drunkenness, because that's literally what happened, it was a manifestation of the presence of God in this moment. They appeared to be drunk. Maybe there was holy laughter breaking out. Maybe they were slurring their language. Maybe they were not walking straight lines. Maybe they were falling over and over and over on the ground. Maybe they were just crumpling. Maybe they were just overwhelmed. Maybe they were just weeping. It all looked like the result of being worldly drunk. But the enemy is not a creator. He's a copier. He can't create anything. And so we look at what happens under the Spirit of God through the lens of what happens under the influence of other spirits. And we say, if drunkenness happens in the church, it's wrong and it's evil. But literally the intention for drunken behavior and what looked like them being drunk happened when the Holy Spirit literally came in a room just like this. And we have to shift our perspective of, off of the idea that if it looks like the world and it happens in the church, it can't be God. As if God, in the fullness of who he is and in the fullness of his presence, would allow something just terribly evil to happen and it be celebrated. If it causes confusion, let the Lord deal with the person. You're not God and you don't have to be. Think Thank the Lord for that. You take up what you see with your eyes with the Lord. I made a statement earlier. You can't judge God based on someone else's experiences or encounters with him. And oftentimes he gets a bad rap and he gets literally put in the same category of that happened in the world. And so if it happened in the world, God, you would never let it happen in my dignified church. Part of the issue, we are too dignified. We are too proper, and we are explaining ourselves right out of the will of God in these moments of him coming because it just simply doesn't make sense to our natural brain. Once again, I'm literally trying to provoke you into some places of childlikeness so that you don't miss God. You, I am not trying to bring you into a point of decision, and I'm not telling you that the only way that you're going to encounter God is if you look like you're drunk. That is not, that's not at all what I'm saying, but it might be. And I'm not saying that the only way that you'll know that you're encountering the presence of the Lord is that you're overwhelmed and you fall on your face, but it might be. I know that it won't be if I approach him with my intellect and my understanding. His peace, the word says, is beyond. It surpasses understanding. 
Lord, I don't understand why someone's on the ground, but they look like they're receiving peace. But I'm going to stay in my place of not understanding, and I don't want, I'm not going to receive that thing that they're getting because it doesn't make sense to me. He's asking us to come to him like a child in these moments. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to encounter us in radical ways so that we'll never be the same over and over and over and over again. I urge you to not shrug these types of manifestations off because they don't make sense or they make you feel weird. Test them. Lord, if this is you, increase it. Lord, if this is not you, stop it. This is, these are conversations I have with the Lord all the time. Lord, if this is my flesh, I don't want it. And the more that I process these things, the more I'll actually trust that it's not my flesh and it's him because I'm actually spending time in, with him in the quiet place and I'm walking out of the quiet place looking and acting and feeling more like him because he was list, just literally smearing me with his presence. That is what the anointing is. The word anoint means to be smeared with, to have something rubbed into you. And when you're, when you're practicing in the private the things that we're talking about, he's literally taking part of who he is and part of who you are and he's literally rubbing himself into you. If you take lotion or oil and apply it to your skin, once it is applied to your skin and rubbed in, you cannot separate it like it was before. And every time you will submit yourself to the will of God in his presence, he is literally rubbing part of who he is into you and it will never be separated from you. This is why we see people that operate in crazy amounts of giftings and crazy anointings and they leave the church and they still get to operate in crazy giftings and crazy anointings. Why? Because his gifts are without repentance. He gives them without repentance. Once he gives you something, you're gonna have it. And it's up to you to use it for his will or his glory or someone else's. I just want us to not miss what the Lord is doing in these times because there are people inside and outside of the church that actually needs us to allow the Lord to move us into a place where we operate in a power that is far beyond imagination. When we start to recognize the Holy Spirit's presence and power in a room, we'll experience things that were like things that were told in the olden days. And they are for us today. I'm gonna leave you with this. Matthew chapter five, verse eight. He said, blessed, I like that word, blessed, anticipating God's presence, spiritually mature are the people, I'm sorry, are the pure in heart, those with integrity, moral courage, and godly character, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I think about pure people, and I think about children. And he's saying that the pure actually get to see him. The pure actually get to experience him. And I believe the Lord is asking us to humble ourselves in a way that we tap back into our childlikeness. We tap back into our creativity. We tap back into our ability to imagine and to create and actually receive him like a child. Because I believe he wants to do something that is unlike anything that we've ever seen. I'm so thankful every single day. I worship from this position. Lord, thank you for coming upon me in a way that I, I was overwhelmed because it changed the course of my family's history forever. I'm the first generation Christian on my dad's side. Everyone else on my dad's side are atheists. And I'm so thankful that he would, in a moment, come upon me in a way where I was completely overwhelmed for their sake, for my children's sake, for your sake. And I believe he's just inviting you just come with me. It's a simple, it's a simple ask. Just come with me. 
Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.